look at this Rubik's Cube from where you sit. And when you're sitting right here, what, what color? Can you see the color from there? Green, right? What about you guys? What do y'all see? Green. green. What about you back here? Yellow and green. What about you over here? Yellow and blue. Blue? Okay. What about over here? What do you see? Blue. Okay. That's good. Let me take it back up here, and I'll explain what I'm talking about. God showed me that the Rubik's Cube is very, very symbolic or a good example, you might say, of the kingdom of God regarding believers. If you look at the Rubik's Cube, it depends on where you're at as to how you have a perspective about things. If you're sitting on this end of the room, you'll see green. Green is all you'll see. Over here, you may see green and yellow. If you're in the back, you may only see yellow. But if you're over here, you may see what, yellow and blue? And over here, blue, right? And you all are correct. However, you're not complete. And it's very, very important that we're living a life as believers and we're in the process of helping further the kingdom of God that we walk in wholeness. And when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, then we not only can see those colors around us, we can see the bottom, which is orange, and we can see the top, which is red. And I love putting red on top because I think when God looks down on us, he sees the red through the blood of Jesus, and because of that, what I saw for my life was white. Though my, skins, my sins be as scarlet because of what Jesus did through his death and burial and resurrection have made it so that I can be counted holy and worthy because of him, not anything that I did. There are a couple of scriptures that I like regarding the Holy Spirit when we start talking. And the first one is, in my speech... And my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And as Gene said last week, we have been commanded in the Word of God to be filled with the Spirit. Remember last week he said, go and sit and wait till this Holy Spirit, till you've been filled and that, that way you'll get the power and you'll be able to do the demonstration. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And because of that, we've got to learn to get out of a box. We have got to learn to get out of the box of our minds. And how many of you have ever felt that you were walking along in your Christian walk and you just could not get any further. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way before? Come on, this is about honesty tonight. <laughs> the Lord, I believe, gave me this. And, and I, I did this for me so that I could really visualize what goes on in my own life. You hear that rattling around? You ever feel like something's rattling around in your brain that you just can't, you can't escape it, right? 
But you, and, and you try and try. You try everything you can. You try resting. You try eating. You try doing all these things. And what I've noticed is, for me, it has. It comes down to this wall. My mind, the box, right? I go out and I run into this wall. And one of the walls that I found that I run into is my belief systems. And unfortunately, a lot of times our belief systems have started with our parental teaching. It's very important, parents, grandparents, that the things that we put in our kids are the things that will help them know that God can do anything. I firmly believe that God is crazy about me. And I believe the scripture backs it up, and I'll share more about that in a minute. But there's also, we have unspiritual company that we keep. There are those relationships that we choose to be in that we know we shouldn't be in, right? There's failures that create this wall in our belief system. And I'm here to tell you tonight, your successes can make a ceiling as to what you can be doing. Sometimes we will live, you ever heard the guy say, I just want to live back in the days when I was the quarterback, you know, and I was the guy that got that winning touchdown. That's the highest success that person has ever known. And we have successes, whether they're sales or, or preaching or maybe we built something, and we have this, this benchmark that we have, right, something that we've achieved, and unfortunately... Many times we'll use that benchmark as if I can just get back to there, right? When God, in fact, is calling you and saying, I've got way past that that I've designed and, and made for you to do, but because you're living in that, you're running into a wall in your mind and you're not able to get past it. Another one is our religious conformity and indifference. Let me say that again, religious conformity and indifference. A lot of that comes from ignorance. I don't get in search out of the word, and I've got this ignorance, and then my emotions take over. I have an unhealthy idea of what submission means, an unrighteous priorities. I prioritize my stuff based on me and, and not the furthering of the kingdom of God. And the, probably one of the greatest ones on this side for me is the fear of rejection. Do any of y'all ever suffer with the fear of rejection? It's a big one, isn't it? Another one on the, another wall is unforgiveness. I've found in my own life that unforgiveness is directly related to my pride. I, you have to humble yourself to forgive someone. That's just the truth of it. And because of that, there are many times that there are relationships. Maybe you've got a family that's split up. You know, you got a brother over here that's done another brother wrong, and mom and dad are for this one and they're not for that one. And you got all these reasons, and they're trying to drag you into this mess rather than you being the peacemaker. They want you to take sides. I see heads shaking. You guys have lived this, haven't you? Legalism. I've got a rule for everything. We can't operate through God's grace because somebody's telling me that there's a bunch of rules that I've got to do. And when you live in legalism, you become judgmental, and you oftentimes will not forgive people because you think they should have known better, right? 
our own spiritual company leads to that. And let me tell you, it all ends up, for myself and most people, it ends up in bitterness. And bitterness is not where you want to find yourself because it is a wall that will stop you and you will continue to go around. Another one is sin. Sin. We always have to ask, what, what is sin? Some of it could be careless talk, overindulging, whatever that may be. It may be TV. It may be food. It may be all kinds of things. We may be slothful, fancy word for lazy. Get out of your seat and do something, right? And that leads to anger, and it leads to shame. And there's another one on here I want to introduce to you tonight. It's called the sin of busyness. I want that to sink in for just a minute. If you are operating in the sin of busyness, I'm speaking to myself. You don't have time to let God work through you because you're on your timetable and you're not on his. And the scripture is very clear that if you will submit yourself to him, that he will redeem the time for you. I'm the only guy probably in town that can go to Home Depot to get a screw and four hours later come back without the screw and tell you the life story of three different people and probably have their phone numbers. So I've got all these walls, right? When I'm talking about living life through the Holy Spirit, and when I live in those walls and let them be in my life, it all comes down to me not surrendering. Not surrendering. Not having submission. Me, I want to be in control of everything. And it all boils down to a lack of trust. Lack of commitment. I allow distractions in my life. Do you guys ever do that? I have a fear of change. How many of you guys fear change? Most of this stuff, if not all of it, is directly related to the private time that I spend with God. So one of the things that we've got to do, and we've got the thought here, we've got to get out of the box of our minds. We need to free our minds to believe that God's power will be on display in our daily lives. Go ahead and Turn that to the next one. The Matrix. Anybody remember the movie The Matrix? Did you see it? Let me explain to you what's going on here. The, the guy in the, that you're looking at is called Morpheus in The Matrix. The other guy is Neo in the movie. Uh, Neo means new man. And he's being posed with a question. He's saying, you can either take the blue pill... And you'll wake up tomorrow just like you were. He said, or you can take the red pill, which I find fascinating because I think I can go the route of the blood. And you get to see just how far the rabbit hole goes. And so whether you're a believer or you're a non-believer, you can live in this box. This box can be that which keeps you from fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. The cool thing is, 
Remember, you got the power of the Holy Spirit that sees every perspective in your life. And he simply says, if you'll believe and you'll ask and you'll, you'll receive this gift that I have for you. And when that happens in our lives, the box lid can come off. And once that lid comes off, this is kind of cute little, this is Noah, I was told. But anyway, this, this lid that comes off, and you get out of this box. No longer are you hindered from all the walls in your life. No longer is there a height or a ceiling on what you can accomplish through God. There's not a distance. You ever heard your sins are as far as the east is from the west? Have you ever really pondered what that means? That means you go east and go west. They don't meet. They never meet. Never. When you, when you come out of the box and you let God take these walls down through his Holy Spirit being inside of you, you are no longer limited to this box anymore, right? So I want to share with you, um, I want to share with you about what happened, what happened to me. I was about 12 years old and uh, went to a little Southern Baptist church over in Mableton. It was Glen Forest Baptist Church. And my mom and dad used to go to a Bible study, and it was uh, by uh, some people, um, the Albrights and a couple other people over there. And they just had this great time on Friday nights. And my mom and dad started getting told about all these things of God that they weren't, weren't being taught in the normal church that we went to, right? So one day they came in and they said, boys, get ready. I have two brothers, right? So they get us, we get all dressed up, ready to go. We're going to a meeting. We get in the car and off we go. And it's a good hour. And that was back in the days. You, you think about it, that's 48 years ago. And we're in the car, and we're, we're riding along. And, you know, you got three boys in the back of the car. Just getting them from A to B across town is one thing. An hour is a long time. We didn't have air conditioning in that little Toyota Corolla. It was tiny, you know. And so we work our way, and we get there. And so we go into this church, and there's this ocean of people, right? It's a big old church. And we get in there, and we sit about... I don't know, about just a little bit past halfway back. And all of a sudden, man, these, this band started playing. I'd never seen a band. Man, it was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, right? They had guitars. They had bass. They had drums. They had keyboards. They had trumpets. And uh, it, was, uh, it was just, it was crazy, man. These people are praising the Lord like nothing I'd ever experienced. They're clapping hands and shouting and running and dancing and, and doing all these cool things. And as a 12-year-old, let me tell you, I was like, this is, this is insanely cool, you know? And so we go along, and then the guy comes out, and the, the band was three Mexican guys. They call them the Three Amigos. That was the name of the band, the Three Amigos. And, man, let me tell you something. Hispanic brothers can worship. They were tearing it up. And so then they came out and they said, we'd like to welcome our guest speakers tonight, Charles and Francis Hunter. Y'all know the happy hunters for those that have been around for a minute. 
they came out and they spent a couple of days with us and they were sharing about that God is not mad at you and that he wants to heal you and he wants to fill you. And man, I saw stuff that just didn't make sense. I was still living in the box, right? My mind was, was being really stretched. They, they said, bring everybody you know that's sick because God will heal them. Because his word says that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that's what we believe. We have anointing for it. And they were bringing people in in wheelchairs. They were bringing them in on crutches, walkers, any way they could get people there. And some of the, the Hunter fans, they know that those people walked out without their crutches. Those people pushed their wheelchairs out. There were people that couldn't hear that regained their hearing. There were people that couldn't see, that were able to see. There were people that had what they were considering incurable diseases, and they were cured. And it was, it, as a 12-year-old boy, I guess something happened in that area of time that I have that, uh, of development in my mind, and I was like, man, this is good. This is church, right? And so they told us at the end of the service, they're like going, if you'd like to be filled with this baptism of the Holy Spirit, stand up. Man, the whole church stood up, right? And so they said, if you just ask and you believe you got Jesus in your heart, very much like Gene said, said, if you will receive this free gift from him, that when you open your mouth, you can believe that he will fill it from deep within you and then you will receive your prayer language, and off you are to the races. And I was like, man, this is the coolest thing. So I stand up, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be good. And nothing happened. Twelve-year-old, nothing happened, right? So I got back in the car. We start riding home. And I'm like going, but God, you said that if I would believe that I could receive and that you would give it, and you're not a respecter of persons. And I want what they're talking about. And let me tell you something. 48 years ago, that band sang a song, and I remember it today. And I remember sitting in that car, leaning on the wall, because being the oldest brother, I got the, aisle, I got, I got the window. And I remember sitting there, and I started singing this song. And it was like this. It goes, if I were to call your name, if I were to say to you, I want you to follow me, would you say to me, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And when I sang that song, it pierced to the deepest part of my heart. And I remember them saying, if you don't have a language, just start speaking praise the Lord. And I'm in the car. My brothers are asleep. Mom and dad are chattering in the front about all the things. And I'm sitting in my car, leaned over, and I'm like, praise you, God. Hallelujah. What just happened to me? The next thing I know... I'm a 12-year-old kid in the back of a car that just simply opened my mouth and said, 
God, I want to receive all that you have for me because I don't want to live in this box anymore. I want you to expand my mind to kingdom things. And he honored his word because I sought him out in it. And I did what appeared to be foolish because that was baby words. You know, you got mama and daddy that little kids learn. I was learning to do mama and daddy in the back of that car. And it changed everything for me. So that was an event. What we've got to do is learn to move from the baptism of the Holy Spirit being an event to becoming the baptism of the Holy Spirit becoming our lifestyle. And so we've got to ask ourselves this question. What am I willing to die for? Man, when it boils down to it, that's the question that we have to answer. What am I willing to die for? And I'm not necessarily talking about a, a, a death that's a physical death, while it could be. But let me tell you something. When you're living in a box of conformity and sin and unforgiveness and religious uh, indifference and belief systems and you're not surrendering, surrendering is death. Surrendering to my will is a, a big thing. And I remember when I got out of seminary, I went to Jacksonville Theological Seminary. When I got out of seminary, I thought I was something. I Man, I was hot to go. I got called to a church over in Stone Mountain. I was there. They called me a youth pastor, but the truth of it is don't ever take a job as a youth pastor because you're everything that they don't have. I, I had bed babies all the way up to the young adults, right? And first thing that happened, I got in there, and the pastor said, here's a list of stuff that I've been working on for five years, and I need you to kind of take it over because you seem to be kind of handy and stuff. And three months later, I had the list complete, and I became popular. I heard that all the way over here. <laughs> I became popular. I began to get times where I could speak and I could preach and I could lay hands. And when I, when I pray for somebody, my expectation is that God's going to move on your behalf. When I'm in Home Depot and I shake your hand or I brush against you, my expectation is that something is going to happen. And as that young believer, I began to have success in everything that I put my hand to regarding the kingdom of God. And then one day, hear me on this, one day I started telling people, someday I'm going to be part of laying hands on somebody that died and see God raise them from the dead. Man, that made me feel good. Just saying it sounded cool, right? One day I'm going to be part of that party like this, right? I'm telling all these people this because I was walking in success of his word. It had nothing to do with who I was, but had everything to do that his word will not come back void. You know? And so one day I'm telling someone, I say, hey, uh, one day I'm hoping to see someone raised from the dead. And the Spirit of God spoke to me from behind me, and he said, are you willing to be the one? 
And I said, I would love to pray for him, God. He says, you get part of you don't get it. Do you trust me enough to let me, let you be the one that comes back from the dead? Man. <laughs> That'll stop you in your tracks. <laughs> and I was like, do what? You know, and you, you, you imagine you got this young guy, and, and, and he's, he's having this conversation with God, and he's like, that box doesn't sound so bad, you know? But he, he was like going, I will not share my glory with anybody. And he says, if you're not willing to be the one that dies, sees my glory, not wanting to go back, but will allow me to send you back, I've got something that I can work with. So that's, that's a story that I have uh, about that one. And, you know, it kind of goes to the next scripture, Revelations 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. We all like to stop at that point in the scripture. But the scripture says this. Are we all back? Are we all back? Okay. They did not love their lives to the death. You know, when the disciples, Jesus came off, uh, when, when he died, they had the perfect opportunity to leave, right? All they had to do was fade back into the woodwork and go, and everything would have been fine. But they loved their lives not to the death. Okay, a thought. I think you got to write this one down. My effectiveness in God's kingdom is critically connected to my perspective of who I am. How Jesus views me and my willingness to commit and surrender. I'll read it again. My effectiveness in God's kingdom is critically connected to my perspective of who I am, how Jesus views me, and my willingness to commit and to surrender. Next thought. Walking by the Holy Spirit can be summed up in two words. Anticipation and confidence. I believe at the beginning, I believe God is crazy about me. I believe the next one. Oh, did I go too fast? Did y'all get that? Y'all good? The Holy Spirit wants to awaken me to begin an adventure with him. Every day. Every day. And the vision I have on this, y'all see if you can relate to this. When I was a little kid, we lived up, we were upstairs at the house, and on Christmas Eve, when they finally got us in bed, we would be like barely sleeping, right? And then somewhere in the middle of the night, me and my brothers would wake up. And we would we would converge and get together. And then we would go to mom. And we'd, we'd go, Mom, Mom, Mom. And finally, you know, she'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's up? I think he's been here. I think he's, he's been here. And it's like I, my own experience has been like the kids will get right next to you. They're not going to wake you up, but they're going to stare a hole in your head Y'all can feel it, right? It's like they just stare at you. 
And then the next thing you know, you start to do. My dad would be like, he'd be like, well, what time is it? And we'd go, 3.30. (laughs) You know? Sometimes I believe that the Holy Spirit's like that with me in the morning. Now, here lately, I'm a a late riser. I do my stuff in the evening more. But I can just imagine him sitting next to my bed, leaned over, and going, are you awake yet? Are you awake yet, Marty? And I'm like going, what time is it? He said, 3.30. I said, I just got in sleep. And he's like, we got stuff to do. We got adventures to go on. And I believe that God designed us to walk with him. And we're going to explore that for just a little bit here. People that walked with God, the first person I want to talk to, and I'm going to go through these reasonably quick. The first one was Adam. We know from the next scripture here, it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. This infers to me, even though this was after they had taken uh, the fruit, this infers to me that God came to the garden many times and that he walked with them. I just can't, I can't fathom the idea that uh, Adam is walking with God and God is just telling him about everything. Just like you and I would walk together and we'd say, oh, over here we've got this and that and stuff. Because he walked with God, next scripture, he went on this adventure. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called these living creatures, that was its name. Now, there's something I really like about this. Not only was he walking with God, he had an adventure with God where he named the animals, but in the state he was in, being the first created being from God, he had the mental capacity to name all these animals and then retain that information and use it. And over the generations of time through sin and all this other stuff, we fight with that. And I'm here to tell you tonight, we serve a redeeming God And that that same God that walked with Adam will walk with you. And he will take that which has been destroyed in your life, whatever it may be. And he can bring it back to the original, the way it's supposed to be. Another person that walked with God and had an adventure was Enoch. Has anybody ever heard of Enoch? So Enoch had a cool story. It says Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What does that mean? Well, Hebrews 11.5 tells us, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Put that one in your Thing and, and, and try to figure that one out. He was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he had this testimony. He pleased God. The scripture's clear and it says it is impossible to please God without what? 
Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God not, he wants us to walk with him, spend private time with him, get to know him, and walk in faith toward him because then we can please him and we can have expectations that the things that aren't normal to us will happen. Another one that walked with God was Noah. Noah went on an adventure. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Then look what happened. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark out of gopher wood. And then he make rooms and cover it inside and out with pitch, and this is how you'll make it. God, he didn't even know what a boat was. And so I believe, and this is uh, something you can ponder over things, this is before the Tower of Babel, right? So I believe that everything spoke the language of God. I don't think that's a far stretch. When the serpent came and spoke to Eve, it didn't surprise her. I personally believe that Noah was able to speak to the animals because they spoke the language of God, right? And if he needed something moved, guess what? Hey, fellas, I need a little help over here. He spoke the language of God. When we go on an adventure with God, we can, and, and we line up with him, we can get every resource that he has because of the language of God being restored through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we can start calling things that doesn't make sense into being. The fourth one is Abraham, father of the promise. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Pretty heavy command, huh? And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be my father of many nations. One of the things that I don't have on here is that when God told him that, he fell on his face laughing. He's like, I'm an old man. She's an old woman. And so they come up with this plan using Hagar, and they had an Ishmael, right? And said, well, God, maybe that will suffice in this. And then this is a scripture I just love. And God said, no. No. Sometimes you ever feel like you get off track, and then God comes back and lovingly corrects you and says, No. It says, no. It says, Sarah, your wife, will be the one that bears you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So in this adventure of anticipation and confidence, if I will simply lay down my life and begin to walk with him, Begin to spend private time with him. It's very clear to me in the scripture that he wants to have an adventure with each and every one of us. That's, that's just how I believe. Because it's like if you can't believe that way, you'll never get out of this box and the walls will continually be banging against you every direction you go. And you will live a life that's defeated. But he didn't come 
for us to live a defeated life. He came for you to be on top, not on bottom. He came for you to be ahead, not behind. He, he came for you to walk in victory, not defeat. He came for you to walk in forgiveness, not unforgiveness. He wants you to be the ones that are setting the standard for the church. It's, it's inside you. Once the Holy Spirit is released in you, you, you'll probably be like a loose cannon or a shotgun. But it can be tempered. The greatest stallions in the world are wild. And then they get bridled and they get trained. And, and then they come in and they, they listen. And the Holy Spirit, you know, he'll do that with us. But we've got to make ourselves available to his tooling to his training and not get upset when things don't just go like we think they ought to go right so another thought here and this is one for your paper i believe says i too must learn to walk in confidence with god i've got to learn to do that it's not my natural thing to be in confidence because i got the world beating me up and i'm in the middle of the world but i'm not of the world there's an economy that I'm on that's different than the world's. There's a healing process that operates in me that's not of this world. And I have the, I've got to have the confidence. The scripture to back it up is in Jeremiah 17, 7, when it says, My blessing is on those people who trust in me, who put their confidence in me. Another scripture says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, you, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to stop right there. Who do you believe that the you is? Who is the you? It, it's your spirit. You have a spirit, you have a mind, and you have a body. When the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and he's prompting you to do things, he's saying, I want you to present your mind and your body to what I've called you to be. And the renewing, it goes on, it says, and, 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 not, uh, and to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen. I'm speaking to myself here. I have got to get control of my mind and my body. And like, I weighed in this morning. I'm really excited. I'm down to 189 pounds. I started at 278, September 25th, over a year ago. I was a big boy. And I wound up having to have heart surgery. I went in for a normal routine thing, and all of a sudden, he said, we've got to do a heart cath on you. Something's wrong. Got in there. They did the heart cath. He's, you know, they got you stretched out. They, they, you can call home because you might not go home. You might not ever go home, but we're going to try to get you. In. You know, it's COVID. You can't have nobody come up here, so you're on your own, right? I mean, there are times I believe that we need that. So we have a real reality check of who we are, who we think we are, and where we're going. And so I'm laying there. I feel the wire come through my arm. He says, Marty, he says, uh, he said, you got a really good heart. And I'm thinking, well, I'm on the table, you know. And 
So then he goes in, he says, look, if you don't mind, once again, I'm strapped to this thing, stretched out, right? He's talking to me during heart surgery. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and fix this spot. I'll have you out in 15 minutes. Well, of course, doc. I don't mind seeing how I'm not going any. I ain't got nowhere to be right now. We got done. He walked by me, and he said, Marty, he said, your heart's in the best shape it's been in in years. And he slapped me on the stomach in the hospital. Imagine the gall, the nerve of that man. He, we're good friends, it's Doc and I. But he ran by, and I got this big old honking belly over there, and he went. He said, I've done my part, and now it's time to do yours. And the reason I share that story with you is that I believe that God has done heart surgery on us when we've asked Jesus in and we've asked the Holy Spirit to reside in us and he's done everything that he needs to do and he's walking by and he's slapping us and he's saying to each one of us, it's time for you to do what you need to do. And mine was directly related to the physical food I was taking in my body and I believe he's saying to the church today, it is time for you to be aware of what you're doing what you're letting your five senses come in contact with, whether it's what you see, what you eat and taste, touch, feel, hear. I believe he's calling us to him. And let me tell you something. One of the hardest areas for me, I've been a worship leader most of my life, one of the hardest areas to find discernment in for me is music. The very thing that he gave us to worship him we were created to worship, right? So we go along and, you know, I get, I'll be, some of the Christian stations out here, I just don't like them. It's like fluffy, 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 fluffy. I don't like that. But, th but there's other music out there that, that I can listen to that glorifies him. And I think to myself, why in the world would I want to feed myself? And I got called on it at the house, just so y'all know. I love listening to music. I love listening to uh, the old 40s and 50s stuff. And there'll be some songs that'll come on, and I'll be in the shower somewhere, and I don't get out and change the channel. And I like, Dad, what are you listening to? And it made me have to step back and think, what am I feeding myself? And then when I, when I watch TV, who likes SVU? Does anybody watch Criminal Minds or anything like that? I know somebody watches Breaking Bad. We feed ourselves garbage, and it's the same thing as eating a Cheeto and praying that God will transform it into a carrot by the time it gets to our belly. It's, it's nonsense. And, and just in the most loving way I can, I just want to encourage you, consider those things which you're putting in your body and your, in your spirit. Um, next scripture, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We need to hear these things. Another scripture, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. What does that mean? Think about it. What does that mean? 
I believe, trust in the Lord, do good, check. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness, check. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe personally for me that that means when I delight myself in him, he will begin to make my desires in my heart line up with his will and who he is and what he has planned for me and, and other people. And then I commit that way to him. I trust in him. And he brings it to pass. He will use every resource that he has to take us on this adventure that he's called us to. Another thought, this is right now. Learn to walk every day with an expectation that God will use you to advance his kingdom. That's just truth. Scripture's back, it says, he said to them, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Pretty simple. If you don't have a direct last word that God gave you, stop at Mark 16, 15 through 18. Start right there. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, whoa, this is the part that I like. Once you surrender... Once you start going on this adventure with him, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will take up surf, or they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will cast out demons. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Man, that's good stuff. So our when we get started on that, many times we want instantaneous results. I see a lot of young guys that get really wound tied when they say it didn't work. And, what, and, and you can get discouraged real quick if you don't see instantaneous results. Because we live in a microwave society thought. Realize that our human timeline is not always God's timeline. We like a microwave. God often uses a crock pot. And it's not an instant pot. It's a crock pot. And for those of you that have ever done crock pot cooking, you'll know. You put the ingredients in. You set the temperature. You put the lid on and you leave it. You don't take the lid off. Every five minutes, you pull that lid off of what's cooking, you'll never get the meal cooked. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. You apply the word. You go with what the Holy Spirit has given you to do. You put it in there and trust God that his timeline is perfect. Here's a scripture to back this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Another one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Last thought of the night. Y'all hang with me for five minutes maybe? Realize that you have God's favor. You can walk with confidence and anticipation if you understand this. He's crazy about me. You'll hear that from me. I think all the guys here have heard it a million times from me. 
Scripture says his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalms 35, 30 verse 5. Another scripture, and this is one of my favorites. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. I know you guys aren't excited about the rain out there tonight, but I kind of am because God, I've got this vision of favor, okay? And this is a perfect way to, to show it to you. I was leaving the Atlanta airport several years ago. My dad worked for Delta. I did a lot of flying, right? And so I'm getting ready to leave, and there's a storm like this going on. There's thunder, there's lightning, there's heavy rain. As we taxi out on the runway, we finally got clearance to go. Now, flying in a plane, I love, but it's always this fight between gravity and getting free, right? How many of you guys have done that in your own life? Gravity, fighting to get free to fly. So we take off, and we're in this pouring and lightning and stuff, and out we go. We go up. Suddenly, you can't see anything. You're in the middle of darkness in the clouds, right? And then all of a sudden, at a time like this, we pop through the clouds, level out, and it's the bluest sky you'll ever see. And I feel like the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and he said, this is how my favor works. It does not matter how the storms of life are. It does not matter that it's thundering out there. It doesn't matter if it's lightning in your life. It doesn't matter if it's snowing, if it's hailing, tornadoes, hurricanes. It does not matter. Because when you stay with me and we go through it, you will find that my favor has never changed. You will get up, you will clear the clouds, and you will be riding with me. It may take a while because this timeline is not always ours. So I want to share a little story with you. Um, we've got this airplane here. I, was, I, I worked for the railroad up till uh, September a year ago, okay? And I ran the largest facility in North America. I was one of eight guys that ran this facility. I left because I believe that God wanted me to go into real estate to help people. And I have this real heart for seniors. They drive me crazy, but I love them. You know? And it's just this, there's, it's such a time where the Holy Spirit needs to be in their life to help them make wise decisions, right? And I work with young, young ones, too. But one day, I was trying to make decisions about leaving the railroad and how did I go about it, right? So I'm riding home, and it's 7 o'clock in the morning. I just worked all night, got home, and when I got in there, I, I, I came down the street, and there's a lady standing out on the corner in front of a house, and there's a big old pile of rubbish where somebody had been kicked out of the house. And I stopped and I said, how are you doing? Are you okay? Because you look distressed. And she says, I'm okay. And uh, she had this real deep island accent, you know. And she says, I'm a silent partner. I just got in from the islands. I'm a silent partner on this house. I'm invested in this house. And uh, we rented it to this sweet person by themselves. And there were four or five families living in it when we kicked them out. And they've totally destroyed the house that I just rebuilt. And she said, I just needed a minute. I just needed a minute to gather my thoughts and thought I'd take a few pictures, you know. And so we got, we just talked. And she, she was like, tell me about the islands. And then 
He said, what, what do you do? And I said, I work for the railroad. I, I'm a manager that manages this facility. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, that's how God works sometimes, suddenly. She looked me in the eye with only eyes. It's hard to describe. It's those eyes that are just, that reach to the, the deepest parts of you, right? And she said this, and this I'll try to do it kind of like she did in the Allen accent. She said, you're a very hard worker, young man. The Lord would have you to know that the reason that you do so well with what you do is because you're a very hard, industrious worker. And you've been working in your own humanity. But the Lord is calling you to walk in his divinity. And he said, the Lord would ask you today. He said, if he were to take and make a sign, and he made it your favorite color, and he wrote your name on it, and then he put the last four social of your social on it, would you know that he was about to change your life or would you ask for another sign? Let me tell you something. When they have no idea of the circumstances that you're in and somebody hits you with that, let me tell you something. My testimony changed. I'm about, there's, there's change on the way, right? Some of you people in this room tonight, you've got things that God's been calling you to do and you've been looking for a sign. And he's giving them to you, and you keep saying, one more sign, Lord. Just, just, just one more time. You lay these fleeces out, you know, and he does something, and the next thing you know, you want another one, right? And so during that time, I had a dream. And so you know that in South America, they have these uh, zip line things, right? And they have the canopy of the trees. And with this canopy of trees, there's always these trees that are like 300 feet that come through the canopy, Right? So in this dream, I am in the top of one of these trees, and I am terrified. I am holding on to this tree for dear life. And I'm looking down, and it's like ants down there. It's, it's way down, right? And the Lord speaks to me, and he says, go to the other tree. And I'm like, I'm not going nowhere. I'm holding on to this tree, right? He says, go to the other tree. And it was a clear voice. Go to the other tree. And so I look over and there's this tree. And it's just so aggravating the way the Lord does sometimes. It's just barely at finger's length. I had to swing over to even touch it, right? I said, I'm, I'm good. He said, look at the tree you're in. He said, look up. And I looked up and in this tree there were no leaves. What few limbs were left in the tree were rotten. The tree was dead, and it was disintegrating as I held on to it. And he says, now look at the other tree, Mark. The other tree was green. It was the green as healthy bamboo. And it was about this big around, and it had limbs on it. And I looked up, and it was lush green leaves, and there was fruit in it. And he said, go to the other tree. And so I swing over in the dream and I grab the tree. But I don't want to let go of the tree I'm in. And he simply said, let go of the tree. He says, you can never come into that which I've designed you to do if the, 
if you will not let go of the old. If you will not let go of the past, you cannot grab hold of the future that I have prepared for you. So I ask tonight, are you waiting on a sign? Is that what you're waiting on? What, what, are, you, what are you waiting on? Are you hugging on to a tree of the past? Maybe a, a failure or a belief system or something that you found been hindering you, keeping you from getting out of the box and letting God make you what he wants you to be? Tonight's the night that can change. So if you would, let's all just stand up. I've kind of got this way up. I like to do things. If, if you're one of these people tonight, I'm just going to simply ask that you raise your hand. I'm no bowing your head or none of that stuff. If you need God to move on your behalf and you want to be free to be out of that box, you're in the safest place that you can ever be. And I just ask that each one of us, we just join hands, lay hands on the, the, the person next to you. And let's just pray for just a second as we get ready to leave here tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. 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 God, we simply ask you today to help us. We don't come with crazy words trying to figure you out, but we ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. God, I pray for the one on my left and the one on my right. God, that you would free them up to get out of the box. God, that you would, on myself, God, that you would help me to understand that I don't have all the answers, but that I can have an anticipation and a confidence that you do. Father, I thank you for that. I pray for each one here, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would keep them safe, those that are sick, that you would heal them. Father, I thank you that all the benefits are available to us. We thank you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for hanging out.